Hi, hi, it's Joy Foster, the founder of Tech Fixies, and I am so glad you're here with us right now. Um, I am interviewing Kate Christie, who is an author, very uh, well known in Australia, and I'm hoping to make her even more well known in the United Kingdom. Uh, she's all about time. So Kate, thank you for joining us today, and we're so happy that you can be here to talk about time for our time series for the month of April. Oh, thanks for having me, Joy. It's a pleasure, and I always love our conversations. Well, we met actually while you were writing a book. You contacted me through LinkedIn. I mean, we teach how you can leverage social media on our Social Media Magic course in order to connect and broaden your horizons. And you did exactly that. You messaged me and you said, I'm coming to the UK. I'd love to interview you for my book. And, uh, and I responded and you came and we met in person. So this is actually the, we, when we've met before, we've actually met in person, not online. Absolutely. And I, I think... I love the fact that you've got that, that program and you encourage your participants and your, or your awesome women to do that because that's what social media is there for. And you can connect with incredible people and you just have to ask, you know, the worst is that they'll say no or they won't respond. Okay. That's okay. But you know, I think I put out, you know, maybe 30 requests. I got 10 yeses, met 10 awesome women and it's worth it. You know, I don't care about the 20 that didn't respond. Their loss. They're totally their loss because it is so much fun getting to know you and getting to see your career progress. And you are a time management coach. Tell us what that is. What does a time management coach do? Well, we all need time. You know, we're all creatures of habit, regardless of where you work or how you work or what your role is or your business is. Everybody can do with more time. And I am very, very passionate about time. I redesigned my own life and my own time after I had my kids um, a long time ago. And it's, it's about breaking habits. You know, we're all creatures of habit and we get up and do today how we did yesterday and the day before and last month. And it's just not the most productive way to work. And if you want to be incredibly successful, and you want to take control of your life, then you really, it all comes back to time and how you use it and how you invest it, uh, what you don't do. And we can all really maximize our time and live the life that, you know, we curate for ourselves, have this wonderful, fantastic, fulfilling life, but it all comes back to how you invest your time. Well, I've heard of this theory where uh, you, and I'm now forgetting the name of it, but it's where you will fill the time that you've got. So no matter yeah, how- Parkinson's law, it's an economic theory. And it basically, the way the theory is, is that a task will expand to fill the time made available for it. So if you've got something to do, but you don't put a deadline on it, then it just doesn't get done, you know, because the task just expands. You know, we all know this from, you know, when we're- at school or with our own kids, you know, uh, or if you've got a project to do at work, you know, if you don't put a deadline on it, it just keeps going. So you have to put deadlines around this stuff so that you actually achieve your goals. Well, and that's really interesting because, uh, so Parkinson's law, is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is really interesting because um, we've gone back and forth at the Techniques program about when we teach SMART goals, about whether or not the T should really stand for time or for thrilling. And at the end of the day, what we decided to do was pull it off time and put it on thrilling. Um, but have the understanding that if you don't achieve it, 
um, that you keep, you know, that you set it again. And how, what does that, what does that mean? It means, for example, when I was trying to do a try, my first triathlon in 2014, uh, and I didn't do it, then in 2015, I reset that as a goal. And, you know, I said, I'm going to do it this year. And, and really it was more, I think the pressure on women uh, can be quite high if you put a time dynamic and then they feel like they failed. So how do you navigate that um, time element? Because I agree with you 100% that putting a time on something will get you moving towards the goal much faster. But then also, how do we not self-damage ourselves by being upset that we didn't do something in the time that yeah. we said we were going to do it. Yeah. So I think when you're setting those sort of goals, one of the things uh, I teach when I'm, when we're goal setting is firstly that the goal needs to be um, present tense is the first thing I'd say. So don't project forward and say, I'm going to run a marathon next year, or I'm going to do a triathlon next year. You have to kind of be in the moment and say, it is July 2021 and I have just run my first triathlon and I finished and I feel magnificent. Yeah, so I agree with that. First thing. The second thing I'd say is once you've set that big, hairy, audacious goal, you need to break it down into smaller goals and then celebrate each of the smaller goals so that if ultimately you don't run that triathlon on the 1st of July, 2021, because, you know, life happens, shit happens, you know, we can't control everything, but you've broken it down into smaller goals along the way and you've celebrated each of those goals. So there's not that sense of huge loss. So a goal like that might then be broken down to say, you know, it's uh, March, 2020 and I've bought, my new runners and I've started walking three K's a day. So I love it. It's not even the present tense, really. It's I've already done it. It's telling your brain that you've already done it. Yeah. And then you set the goal saying, well, and now, you know, it's July, 2020 and I've taken my three K walk to a three K run. And so you're progressively measuring and in short kind of goals, sub goals to get you to the big goal so if ultimately you don't actually reach that big goal on that date that you've set, that's okay because look at all the things you've achieved in the meantime. You know, you're now running, say, 10Ks. So I, I would say that absolutely you have to have these big audacious goals, but more important than that, you've got to then break those down into smaller goals that you can measure and celebrate along the way. Well, I love what you said about habits because I think it's the idea that you want to become a person who runs on a regular basis, right? You wanna become a person who um, gets on the bike on a regular basis. You wanna become a person who swims every single week because if you do those things regularly, you're more likely to be able to accomplish the bigger goal of doing a triathlon, for example. So I really love the, the bit on habits. So let's talk about your book that's coming out in April. Big deal, it's being published, which is a big, big deal because you were self-published before and you yeah. self-published a few books actually. So talk to me about this new book. Okay, I'll show you a picture. It's me called first. Me First, The Guilt-Free Guide to Prioritizing You. Ah, oh, we so, all need that for sure. Aha, uh-huh. all right. So it's, it's very much targeted at women who work and are mums. And the whole concept of the juggle and the struggle and the guilt and the imposter syndrome and the judgment and the not being able to say no and 
all of those um, kind of really um, debilitating beliefs or belief systems that a lot often we have. Um, and then it um, also takes readers through how to find their 30 hours of lost time a month, um, which is sort of my reputation with my clients and my audiences that I will find you 30 hours of lost time a month. And I've never not, you know, so I guarantee that. I said to people, I guarantee it and it's always worked. And then the third part of the book is the goal setting piece around, okay, now you've got, we've got rid of all the imposter syndrome. We've got rid of the guilt. Um, we've now got you back your 30 hours of lost oh, time. Oh yeah, so night. what are you going to do with them? And now let's, what are you going to do with it? You know, it, you're not going to use it to spend another half an hour on emails a day and you're not going to use it to put another three loads of washing on. What are you going to do? So let's set some really awesome goals and stick to them. Okay. Do you talk about procrastination at all in the book? Yeah. Yeah. So I am very curious about that element. Like how do you conquer procrastination? Well, procrastination is really just another word for distraction or self-distraction and distraction is just another word for interruption. So when it comes to the, the sort of the key pain points we have when we're trying to manage our time. And I've, I've surveyed thousands of people on this and the number one pain point is interruptions and how often I'm interrupted and how that impacts my work. Because every time you're interrupted, it takes you about 23 minutes to refocus to the point of focus that you had when you were interrupted. Okay. And then as mothers and as professional women, on average, we're interrupted about eight times an hour, between eight and 13 times an hour. So you can do the maths. You know, if you're being interrupted eight times an hour and it's taking you 23 minutes to refocus, you're not getting any work done. Now, interruptions can either be external. So, you know, mom or the phone going or, um, you know, another email going or the postman arriving at the door, or they can be internal in the form of self-distractions and that's procrastination. So that's me. Oh, there's a bird, you know, Oh, you know, there's a butterfly. Um, Oh, I'll just go and make myself a cup of coffee. I think that's I've been guilty of both of those <laughs> internal <laughs> and external distract. I'm now understanding this whole procrastination issue. <laughs> yeah. So it's then if you flip that around, it comes back to, to habits and the, the, the easiest way to get over self distractions and interruptions is to have a great plan, know exactly what you're going to do, um, in the day and then focus on it. And I, I sort of talk about it in terms of, you know, starting from the premise of having a great to-do list so that you know exactly what you've got to do for the week. Then from that to-do list, you pick the two most important things you have to do on Monday morning. You lock those into your calendar because Parkinson's law says that if we don't lock it in, you know, the task will expand. Um, buy one of those little windy tick clocks um, so don't rely on like your computer timer or your phone timer because that draws you back into the technology. Oh, that's a great Have point. Have a little ticky, ticky clock, put your phone away, set it for say 45 minutes and then work against the clock. Um, well, that's, not you just laid down a challenge there. I've got like a little, um, so this is kind of fun too because you could like go and be really creative about your, your ticky, th what are they called, ticky time things? <laughs> yeah. You just have, get them from like the reject shop or, you know. Or, I think or you should have a competition to see who can find the most interesting, maybe, you know, and, and what do we want to say? Like politically correct and like, you know, decent ticky time thing. 
That would be that would be a good competition. <laughs> Mine is a little gingerbread man. I'll have to think about bringing him out. Um, okay, that's really interesting. I hadn't, I you know, because this that was something. Because some, but I sometimes um, I know, for example, when I was doing the Ironman. Uh, and I was training for it. And of course we were going through a family bereavement at the same time, which made it difficult for five, you know, having the motivation to keep tra training. But I know, like, I remember thinking I have the time to train right now, but I didn't feel like I, and I had like the space and I could, and I had the husband who was willing to look after the kids. And, and I know there was a lot going on mentally with the, what was going on in the family, but I, I, I didn't feel like I just delayed and delayed and delayed and then it was too late to go out for a ride or too late to go out for a run. And I, and I really couldn't conquer that. And that was really frustrating. And I'm sure that if I have that problem and I'm a pretty highly motivated person, other people have that problem too, where yeah. you actually have the time and the space in your diary. You just um, like the motivation, you know, you've got to do it. Like I knew the Ironman was coming up and I knew I had to do it, but I just, I couldn't bring myself to do it. How do you deal with that? So with, with things like that, um, it's very much mind over matter. I mean, people talk about time management, which I think is just rubbish. I mean, we can't manage time. So I talk about time investment, but you can mind manage. And time management really is mind management in terms of motivation and so forth. One of the things I say is make simple decisions fast and make them once. Mm. So if, for example, one of your decisions is, am I going to go train or am I not? Or am I going to get up at six o'clock every morning and have a run? Or am I going to get up and go to the gym? It's a simple decision. Make it once. So if you decide, yes, every morning at six o'clock, I'm going to get up and go for a run, that's your decision. Well, and that's a great point. It's the, ha the yeah. habitual nature of it that makes a big difference. And that is actually one of the things that I did start doing with the marathon training was nine to 11 every day is dedicated to running. And I gave yeah. myself time. Do it. And it's mind management. So, you know, the alarm goes off or whatever. You don't lie there and go, oh, do I go for a run or don't I? Or do I or don't I? Because you've made the decision already. You've already decided you're going to go for a run. So have your clothes ready get up, don't even think about it and start doing it. And within a couple of weeks, it becomes habit. Um, yeah. So make simple decisions once. Um, don't rethink them and make them fast because you can then, and, and there's a great book where I can't remember the woman's name, but it's this concept of, of making a decision within five seconds and then just acting on it. And so she would sort of count down from five. So you can always do that as well. So if you're lying in bed and you know you've got to get up for the run, it's like five, four, three, two, one, get up. Go. Yeah, in fact, and we talked about that at our winter get-together. We had a woman named Tamsin who was talking about, she just said three, two, one, you know, do yeah. the next action. Like if the next thing that you need to do is pick up the phone to call someone to make the step forwards towards something, three, two, one, pick up the phone. Look. And actually a really great example of, of that in the Tech Pixies, you know, the story of Tech Pixies was when I um, had to make a phone call to someone to tell him my idea to set up a, a digital skills school for women. And, uh, and I, and literally, that's literally what I did. I picked up the phone and I called him and I said, Hey, Tony, it's Joy. I have this idea um, and I don't know how to fund it. 
And I said, and there's no way I can launch it, uh, you know, with my own money. And he said, because uh, I didn't have any money. And he said, <laughs> oh my gosh, we've got this um, grant that's come up and there's 75,000 pounds available and you should apply for it. And I could apply for up to 20,000. And I did, I applied for 16 and we got 16. And literally that's how TechPixie started. So yeah. it, I think, yeah, it's, it's understanding that enough times you take that three, two, one action step, it. That it starts yeah. to, you know. And, and that, that, that's a perfect example of a simple decision. Make it fast. I mean, you don't have to agonize over that. Just pick the phone up. It's like the same with me sending messages out to those women on LinkedIn. Make the decision. Just put yourself out there. Worst thing that can happen is someone says no. That's okay. Contact the next person. So yeah. simple decisions fast. Another example of that, you know, is, um, you know, have like a bit of a work wardrobe so that you don't have to, you know, I know with your stuff, you've always got the beautiful stars on, you know, that's, that's your decision. And so you don't have to think, oh, I'm, I'm interviewing someone. What am I going to wear? And you don't spend 15 minutes in front of the wardrobe going, what am I going to wear? You no, know, that is so true. It's so true. You know? And I just heard that that is actually what Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg yeah. That is literally, they, they take the brain power out of decision-making. Absolutely. I mean, you, there's a reason why they always, you know, Steve Jobs was always in black. Mike Zuckerberg's always got that khaki bloody, you know, shorts and uh, trousers and t-shirt ensemble. He must own like 30 of them because he's made the simple decision. He's made it once. That's what he wears. Well, so and ironically, by wearing the stars, everyone remembers it. Yeah. It just, it's part of your brand. It's part of your image, but it's also time-saving. Yeah, totally. 100%. I mean, and you are so right on about that because I literally have, and I have a section of my wardrobe that has stars and I only wear it when I'm working. And then yeah. the irony is now I have my own personal brand, which is flowers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I'm not wearing stars, I'm wearing flowers. So you'll know if I'm in like work mode or not work mode based on what I'm wearing. Yeah, and it's it, that's smart, and it's efficient, it's productive, and it, it also positions you. It's your brand, and I think people kind of also understand that that's a time-saving thing, and and people respect that. You've got better things to do than waste twenty minutes every day deciding what to wear. I don't think I realized how much of a time saver that was actually. And I have a friend who's a stylist, and um, she actually will go into someone's home and set them up with 20 outfits, take pictures of them, and then print those out so that you can put it in your closet. So when you wake up, you just decide which one you want to wear for the day. And I love that idea too. Absolutely. Anything that you can do um, in terms of making simple decisions fast, do it. Makes life yeah. so much easier. Another classic is, you know, your keys in your wallet. Have a place for them so that when you come home, they always go on the mantelpiece or they always go on that shelf so that you're not spending 20 minutes every day going, where are my keys? Where's my wallet? Well, I had a host mother once in France who said to me, Joy, if her head wasn't screwed onto your body, you would lose it. <laughs> So I have gotten a lot better about those kind of things, but you are 100% correct. Um, uh, you know, it just takes away the brain power that you need to make important decisions and to have the motivation to do the things that are hard when you're not having to make the simple ones. And that's why people, when they do the same routine in their car, they get so used, like they'll jump in their car to go somewhere else. And then they blank, they realize they blank out and they end up in the, their regular routine place. So they yeah. pull up into work because you yeah. don't need the brain power once it's habitual. That's exactly right. Exactly right. So it's just about creating, understanding that we are creatures of habit. We are driven by routine. 
So that means that we can take our really bad routines or our poor time-sucking routines, flip them on their head and make great routines and then get heaps of time back because we, we're good at routines. We just need good routines. I love that. We're good at routines. We just need good routines. That is a brilliant way of putting it. But why do we need me time? Oh, well, because we are the most important people in our lives primarily. You know, once, you know, you think about everything you do as a, um, as a, a mum, as a wife or partner, as a businesswoman or as an employee, as a daughter, as a sister, as a, you know, an aunt, you think about everything you do and everything um, is so geared towards everybody else. And we always put everyone else first. Um, we always do everything we can for the people around us and we just are not spending enough time on ourselves. We are too selfless. We, you know, I talk about it in the book that there's this sort of epidemic of selflessness amongst women and it's, um, it's got to stop. Every single woman I speak to, every single woman who's a mum and works has the same story around the constant juggle, the fatigue, the exhaustion, the guilt. Um, and there's a massive loss of identity in there as well. And, um, you know, because when you think about it, many of us worked professionally before we became mums. And all of a sudden we kind of have this hybrid person where we're, um, we have a professional life and we have our mum life. Um, but somewhere in there, we kind of lose a, long, a, a big sense of ourselves, and it's got to stop. It's, it's honestly, it's not good enough. We need to demand time for ourselves. Well, I hear this a lot from women as well who don't have children, but who might have taken care of an elderly parent, or who might have come through uh, a severe bout of breast cancer, or who may have um, had a mental health uh, uh, breakdown, which took them out of the workplace. It happens to a lot of women where even if they're not looking after children. They have to take a time period out to look after somebody else or to look after themselves in a way that's not me time in the, in the kind of, I just have to actually get over breast cancer. I've got to, you know, I've got to um, come through this mental health issue. And, uh, you know, you've got the amount of things you've got to do to survive and to get through those things are huge. So they don't, they also don't do time for themselves during that as well. So I can see where there's a place to everyone. Would you say that being selfless is actually selfish. No, being, being oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I, I heard you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you said being selfish is actually selfish. I'm like, huh? No, um, let's say that again. Would you say that being selfless all of the time and not focusing on yourself is actually selfish? Yeah, absolutely. Because there is no way you're possibly presenting your best self to everybody else. Um, You know, if you're not happy, if you're not content, if you're not nourishing your soul, if you're not eating well and exercising and doing the things you love, you cannot possibly be presenting your best version of you. You can't. Um, So, you know, if for no other reason, nourish yourself for other people. But I, I, I can't believe I'm saying that, you know, nourish yourself for yourself. But yeah, it is. Be, self- be selfish in a good way in order to, 
to be the person that you want to be. So I, I, I think I totally uh, am on board with this. And I'll tell you, I didn't realize how important this was until I made friends with this gal named Danusha, who I have, have now connected you to. And I hope you are able to do a podcast with her because she is just brilliant. But Danusha has uh, nine children, 10 children, 10 children. And she's got triplets. The last three were triplets. And she's the one who introduced me as well to that concept of me time and, you know, um, and just make like putting yourself on the agenda. And yeah. I think um, I didn't really get that. And actually last year, probably for the first time in a very long time, I mean, I've been quite, I would say I've been very focused on building techniques and very focused on the business side of things. But I, and, and, and I know obviously I've done that triathlon stuff and the Ironman and I'm now doing a marathon. So it's not like I'm not doing stuff for me. And actually for that time, I spend a lot of time listening to audible books and I'm definitely going to be yeah. listening to your audible book. Um, <laughs> but I, and a lot of time on podcasts and things like that, but um, just, just uh, the shift for me really came because she was challenging people to really take time for themselves. Something I had never, ever, ever done was go away on a trip without my family mm. for myself, like mm. just take myself away. And I'd, I've been away from my family for visa reasons and all that kind of stuff, but I'd never really actually just gone away, away. And, um, yeah. and I went away on a training camp for here. I am like a 39 year old woman. I'm going off to Lanzarote on a training camp for an entire week. And, um, and I just remember feeling like that was a major deal, like that I had, you know, just, ex, you know, just really prioritize myself. And, and I think actually, um, I just was really proud of that and that I did that. And I see so many women who would never do something like that because yeah. they're worried about whether or not their kids would survive with the part, you know, their partner or, <laughs> you know, will I come back and everyone will still be alive? You know, who knows? But, yeah. um, I do think it's really important to encourage women to do that. Why, why do you think that is, so important for for women to to let go of their fear of what might happen if they take care of themselves look it's i think i think a lot of the reason why women don't do it in the first place is because and i know i was terribly guilty of this so i'll be the first to admit this was me where i thought i was the best at doing it so you know i'm better at it than my partner. I'm a great mom. They need me. I'm the one who needs to be there. And, um, you know, you just make your rod for your own back. I mean, it's just rubbish, really. Um, so I think that's the reason why we don't do it often is because we, you know, we, we put these kind of, we put ourselves on this sort of pedestal of really, I'm the only one buck stops with me. I have to do this. So firstly, I'd say, no, that's not right. You know, you have support around you. Um, if you don't have support around you, then go and try and find support. Um, the second thing I'd say is it's so important because, you know, it, it make, makes us better people. You know, if you cur curate time for yourself, <clears throat> um, it, it makes you a better mum. It makes you a better partner and friend. The third thing I'd say is that, you know, it's really important that our kids see us as mums as being awesome role models you know, I want my sons and my daughter to grow up seeing that mum does all these awesome things for us, but also for herself. And she is an amazing businesswoman. And yeah, she's a great mum, but um, she also 
has a, a fantastic life and she's happy. And it's important from a role model perspective. The other thing I'd say with your kids and with your partners too sometimes is that um, you want them to grow up to be independent, self-sufficient, very capable adults. And sometimes that means letting them fail, stepping back and letting them work out how to use the dishwasher, even though you've shown them 40 times and, and letting them learn how to make themselves a dinner. Um, you know, my, my, my sons are going to grow up and want to marry your daughters. So let's do everyone a favor and make sure that they're capable. Yeah, they can actually do the stuff that we want them to be able to do so that they can empower the partners that they're with later on in life. That's it. You know, we've got to stop doing as much because firstly, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think we have to do as much as we currently do. And secondly, um, you know, we don't want to be creating this generation of dependents that are completely dependent on us. Yeah. Well, my mom was, uh, she was with us recently and, it, and she kind of under, you know, kind of subtly said, you know, your kids are probably old enough to start putting away the dishes. <laughs> and I thought, <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, and that's one of the tips in the book that you wrote that actually I was interviewed for was get your kids on board, get them doing stuff that will take time off of your schedule. If your kids know how to do the dishes, if they know how to do their own laundry, if they know how to clean up their own room, and if they know that they're responsible for those things, um, then it, that gives you time back that you might have. That's seen. right. Absolutely. And family, I always say this, family's a team sport. You know, everyone's got to get involved. And the good thing about it is you're the captain. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, yeah, let's take control of this. And literally from the time your kids can walk, there is stuff that they can do. You know, so if you're putting away the folded up clothes, give them their little socks to put away. You know, pack up the toys together. You know, it's habit. And I keep coming back to this. We're creatures of habit. So you want to create these habits in your kids as early as possible because when they're little, they're compliant, they don't answer back. Everything's a game, you know, packing up the toys can be a game, uh, be the supermarket. You know, I used to say to my kids, you know, they, I had three under three and a half. And so we'd go to the supermarket and I'd be going, you know, free meal while they get the bread. And I'd be going, go, go, go. And these kids would be running all over the supermarket. They'd run back with the bread. They'd run back with the, go get the peas, you know. <laughs> it's a game. Make it a game and play it with them. And it's, they're not a task. It's not a chore. And it probably halves the amount of time you spend in the grocery store and makes it twice as much fun. Exactly. And, and everyone's a board and you get home and then they're happy to unpack it all because they're invested in it. You know, that's my bread. That's my milk. I got that, those peas. You know, I was the fastest mum, wasn't I? Yeah, you know, whatever. That's so great. My husband actually is the one that does the grocery shopping and he does have these entire elaborate games. He plays with the kids at the store and they, he has this challenge of who can find the lowest cost item and there's yeah. like a winner every time. And exactly. yeah, I totally make it a game and yeah. it, then they, their kids are happy to play along. Um, it makes it more fun for you. The other thing I'd say is that when you start instilling those sort of games early, you can play them forever. You know, like I, one of the ones I had when I, my kids were really little was I had a half hour of power. And so the house would be, you know, in absolute, three under three and a half. You can't imagine what the house used to look like. And so, you know, I started this game, a half hour of power. So we'd set the timer 
everyone was kind of responsible for like, you know, cleaning up a particular room or putting their stuff away. We'd put the music on really loud. So we would have Kiss, I Was Made For Love A New Baby. And so we'd have that roaring and then, you know, everyone knew what they had to do. And I'd be like, go, 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 go. And they'd be running around and we'd be playing the air guitar. And, and within half an hour, the house was amazing. We still do that now. And my oldest is about to turn 20. I love that. So we had that habit instilled for when they were little. It was a game. So every now and then I look around the house and say, nah, we've got to have a half hour of power. And they go, oh, mom. So now, come on, come on, come on. We put Kiss on and it happens. Yeah. I love that. That's such a great tip. Well, gosh, we've covered a lot of ground and I just want to make sure that we didn't miss out on anything that you wanted to make sure that our listeners slash viewers might benefit from. Do you have any additional last, I mean, that was a really powerful tip. I love that. I'm going to have to try that one. We have, we've definitely, (laughs) we've definitely, I call it the hour of power. So maybe a half hour of power is a little bit more, um, (laughs) than the hour of power. (laughs) Maybe that was where I went wrong. Power is great for you at work when it's just you, but kids kind of have that shorter attention span and, um, you know, look, there's only so long you can listen to Kiss as well, you know, so. (laughs) Well, I I was putting my son to bed tonight in order to make sure I was on this call with you. And, um, and, you know, I have always done the countdown, you know, five, four, three, two, one. It's always worked with my kids. Now he's hitting eight, almost nine. And, he said, well, what happens if you get to zero? And I said, that's what he said to me tonight. And I said, you don't want to know what happens when I get to zero. <laughs> and I, it was really funny because I don't ever remember asking my mom what happened when it got to zero. And, um, you know, and he just, and it was so funny because he looked at me and goes, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. I don't. And then, you know, and then it was nothing threatening, but it was just one of those yeah. kind of, why would you want to know what happens to, as, when you get to zero? Like, what, 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 what good? Maybe the floor falls through. I don't know. Let's not, <laughs> let's not find out. Yeah. So, um, but I do think you're right. I think making it a, a game is important. Um, any, other, any, t- any other top tips you want to leave us with? Um, you know, as, and, and, you know, I know a lot of people are going to want to get the book and want to listen to it on Audible or get it in person. Um, you have always done exercises in your book. Does this book have exercises as well? Yeah, yeah, it does. So um, the, in terms of finding the 30 hours, it has exercises, really simple ones, but they really just focus your thoughts. Um, a couple of tips to leave you with. Um, stop thinking about time as something that you can manage. Um, your time is, um, I want you to start thinking about your time the way you think about your money. It's a scarce resource. You only have a limited amount of it. And so you need to start investing it for the greatest possible return. So from now on, time is there to be invested. Um, the next thing I'd say is that in order to find that lost time, your lost 30 hours, you have to invest time to find it. And so the book takes you through the fastest way to actually invest time and focus you on where and how you're going to find those hours of lost time. Um, My favourite, and we've talked about this a little bit already, family's a team sport. Um, You've got to, you know, we're all conscious of the concept of outsourcing where we are happy to pay someone like a cleaner, an expert to come and clean the house because they can do it faster, better and cheaper than us. They're my sort of three rules for outsourcing faster, better and cheaper. Um, The flip side of outsourcing is insourcing. And that's where you identify everything that you currently do for the people that you live with 
that they can do for themselves that you don't have to pay them for. And there's big lists in the book of how to insource all the tasks you can insource. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there about work as well. Um, there's lots and lots of tips around little ways to get your time back, how to reject interruptions, how to stop multitasking. I could talk about this for hours. Well, one thing we do tell women to do, especially if they get into social media, is to turn off all their notifications on their phone. And then when they're not working, to uninstall the apps uh, and then yeah. reinstall them when they are working. So particularly on the weekends, um, to uninstall the apps on Friday and then reinstall them on Monday. And yes, there will be a little bit of catching up on Monday for anything that happened over the weekend, but it's not do or die and you can catch up. Um, for sure. So those are great tips. It was really funny that you said that all the things, the insourcing, because um, very similar, this um, lovely eight-year-old child said to me the other day when he was, I asked him, you know, to do the hour of power again. I've taken that away. It's going to be the half hour of power from now on. <laughs> but it was so funny because we're going through this process of doing the hour of power. And he says, right, so how much am I going to get paid for all of these things? And I said to him, you're not getting paid anything. Like, this is part of being in the foster family. Like, Family's a team sport, babe. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not payable stuff. Like, this is the stuff I do for you for free and have done for eight years. Yeah. So I do think uh, it's important to get kids to realize that there is a certain amount of skin they got to get in the game that they do not get paid Absolutely. for. And that that's part of being a responsible human being. In, in that's a it. You know, you're responsible for your floor drobe, clean it up, put it away, put your dirty stuff in the washing, your clean stuff in the cupboard, hang up your wet towels, stretch them out. They dry better that way. If you leave them on the floor, they're smelly. You know, it's, education it's just it's part of life and um it's not a hotel it's a home um i'm not paid to do this stuff and neither are you yeah well i love that the floor drobe that is like i never have heard that ever and i totally <laughs> have a floor drobe that i every night it gets filled and every morning i put it all away yeah. I, it's really funny because i probably should break the habit of the floor drobe and just put it straight in put it but straight in I yeah. know I should. I just there's a hot, there's an exercise in the book. There's what an exercise in here that gets you to add up how much time you spend each day. For example, cleaning the floor drove or picking up putting the kids stuff away. And um, I think you know if you spend 12 minutes a day doing that, it's something like I haven't got it in front of me, but it's something like 73 hours of your time a year. Okay, so you're telling me that if I stop doing the floor drove, that I'm going to save 72 hours a year? Yeah, if you're spending about 12 minutes a day just picking up all the crap around the house. That's, it works out to be 73 hours of your time a year. I've timed this stuff, okay? <laughs> that is amazing. Okay, that is a great way to finish this because I have just, so I just gave myself 70, that is my motivation. That's my investment. I'm investing time in not doing the floor drobe, going straight into the wardrobe so that uh -huh. I get 73 hours back. That's brilliant. Yep. It's well, basically, it's that whole concept of file, don't pile. File, don't pile. That's right. File, yeah. don't pile. I'm going to remember that and I'm going to let you know how my progress on my floor drobe is going uh, <laughs> <laughs> when I do um, the Instagram stories challenge. So let's just talk about that because we're going to have more information in the description below the video, um, both on, uh, on the TechPixies website and also uh, on our Facebook page, which is where we put a lot of information and in the Instagram, the IGTV uh, information 
if you click on the title of the um, live cast slash video cast slash IGTV uh, episode, if you click on that it, or tap on that, it gives you all the information you need to know. So we're going to put information in that a bit closer to the date, but we're going to have a bit of a challenge for how someone could win uh, some time with you uh, when the book is re released in April and more information on that will be uh, in below the video. Yeah, absolutely. So basically it's going to be um, Instagram competition and it's, I want, um, you know, women to take a photo of themselves with the book in a situation where they're actually investing time in themselves. Um, I don't care where they are or what they're doing, but it's, about them saying, hey, I'm putting myself first. And they can do it with the hard copy book or the audible, you know, just hold up your headphones and I know that you're doing it. And um, I'm going to pick the best and they will get um, some one-on-one -on -one time coaching time with me. Brilliant. So we'll have more information about the hashtag SKUs and when that time yeah. period is going to come out, that'll all be in the description that's in the show notes and also in the video and all that good stuff. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to interview you and you are just, it's, you're a wonderful woman to know and a wonderful person to follow the career of. And, you know, I feel really lucky that you did reach out to me on LinkedIn and we started that conversation. And I just hope that encourages other women to do that, to not be afraid to reach out to people that they don't know and start up a conversation because you never know where it's going to lead. Absolutely. So great to talk to you, Joy.